Hello and welcome to our Psalm series. Today we'll be looking at Psalm chapter 20, Changing Lives Through Prayer. Powerful message that I want to pray. I want to read the scriptures, these nine verses, and then we want to dig into this text that David so powerfully brings forth for our benefit today. Father, I thank you for grace to preach your word. I thank you for ears to hear that people would uh, be enlivened by this message and filled with hope and filled with renewed confidence to know that there are people praying for them. People are praying for them and it's changing their lives. God will not be inactive. God will not be on the sidelines. God will not be negligent. He can't be because it's not in his nature and character. His attribute is one who shows mercy and grace and kindness and love. And that brings us great hope. And Lord, we want to see what it's like to transition from praying for ourselves all the time to be a people who pray for others. We give thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 20, the introduction says, To the choir master psalm of David, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of our Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven and with saving might his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. If you've been following us on this series of chapters one through 20 now, in the book of Psalms, you will see that much of what started in chapter one continued on through almost all the way through chapter 17. David in trial, David in trouble, David in turmoil, David in need of deliverance, David in need of a breakthrough. We see him crying out to the Lord time and time again, how long, O Lord, how long? And if you've been looking back at some of these past messages, you'll see we've been speaking directly to you about that same cry in your heart troubles and sickness and sorrows and, and pain and problems and prodigal children and addictions and sinful behaviors and relational break problems and marriage difficulties. And you see all of these things and you're crying out with David, how long, oh Lord, how long? And then in chapter 18, there's this beautiful transition as David sees the deliverance, he sees the breakthrough. 18 in the introduction says, uh, on the day that the, when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, oh Lord, I love you. You see something different here. You see up to 1 through 17, he's in a long period of warfare and trials and tribulations and struggles, as we've said. And then in, in, in 18 now, he's saying, ah, oh, something has happened. That cry of how long, the oh Lord, how long has uh, that sacrifice of prayer and intercession has been lifted up to the Lord, that, that cry day and night as incense to the Lord. And now he's heard my cry and he's delivered me. And I love that word, from all of my enemies. God wants to do that for you today, to deliver you from all of your enemies. Doesn't mean you won't be suffering. Doesn't mean there won't be persecution. But there's a deliverance sometimes from circumstances. And sometimes there's a deliverance from the mental fatigue, the mental crisis, the anxiety that comes from 
the turmoil that and the trials and tribulations that we are in. We will be in trials and tribulations, but the deliverance comes sometimes from the circumstances, other times then through the ability to endure with grace and joy and knowing that God is on your side. But here David in 18 has been delivered from all of his enemies. The Lord has dealt with them because of the cleanness of his heart. And he's seen victory after victory, breakthrough after breakthrough. And, and then what he does in the next chapter, 19, he begins to celebrate that love by seeking God in a more passionate manner, a more passionate way. So he gets into the word. Psalm 19 is, is, uh, is titled, The Law of the Lord is Perfect. And it's, and it's speaking about the, the two books, so to speak, the, the, the book of, of the heavens and the earth declaring his glory, but then the law of the Lord, the, the books, the Torah, the, the Psalms, and now into the New Testament that we have in our generation, that the, the book is perfect, the book is beautiful, the book is wonderful. We want to preach the book, we want to live the book, we want to love the book, we want to pray the book, we want to get direction from the book, we want to guide our families by the book, we want to guide our churches by the book, we want to be men and women of the book. And David is, is, is thrilled at the deliverance and it's driving him uh, to know this God more by studying the word that God was had given to King David. And now he does one more thing. I've been delivered, and I thank God for that. And it drives me to the word. But now I see something else. All that God has done for me, I want to see done in other people's lives. He has broken through my troubles, and I want to see God break through troubles for other people. He has delivered me, and I see a new power. I see it not only in in what he's done circumstantially in my life, but I see it confirmed in his word, his promises. And it gives me power to pray in faith with confidence, with a, with a sense of a, a refreshing, a, a newfound confidence that there's an other-centeredness that, that can be obtained within us, an other-centered power that we can come into the throne room of God and beseech him on behalf, not just of our own trials and troubles and tribulations, but on the behalf of others Oh, imagine this, brothers and sisters, that you and I have the privilege and the power and the anointing from God to be a people that not only see breakthrough in our life, but we are intercessory prayer warriors seeing breakthrough in other people's lives, calling forth deliverance through intercession, calling forth uh, the mercies of God in prayer, stopping the mouths of, of the lions and of the bears and of the giants and of the devils that come into our life, into other people's lives. This is a great promise from God that we have power in prayer. We can change other people's lives through prayer. David is basically saying uh, what I remembered as an old song that I sang as a, as a young man. It, it was a song that goes something like, uh, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. And as David has learned, uh, realistically in his own heart. This is what God has done for me. And now I know with confidence that he will do what he's done for me, he will do for others. What God has done for me, I can testify. He's taken my prodigal children and brought them home. He's rescued my marriage. He's set me free from various forms of sinful patterns in my life. He, he has brought me out of troubles and trials and all kinds of tribulations. He's seen me through cancer. He's seen me through a broken back in a car accident that I wasn't sure I'd ever be able to walk again. And now he set me on a solid rock, his word, and the ability to give thanks and the ability, as David's doing in Psalm 20, the ability to pray for, for others. Three things we want to take a 
deeper look at in this text, in this chapter. And the first one I would say is help in overcoming your troubles. And that's found in verse 1 through 3. The second thing is a reward for your sacrifice, a reward for your faithfulness, for your diligence, for your remaining faithful in trials and tribulations, for then coming out of that and getting a hunger for the word as David did, and then coming out of that and getting a, a fresh revelation of the power we have in intercessory prayer for others. And and, and this psalm t- teaches us and shows us and encourages us that there's a reward for that kind of living, for that kind of seeking, for that kind of praying for others. And then thirdly, we see he will fulfill all of your heart's desires. This is powerful. This is precious. It seems almost too good to be true, almost too overwhelming. And so we, and that's in verses four through eight. So let's take some time to go look at these things. But before we do, I want to camp just for a second in Psalm 20, verse 6, because he uses these words that I've been using in my introduction, but he uses them so profoundly and precisely. He says in the first three words there, now I know. He was in trouble and he cried and he wasn't sure. And he cried, how long, oh Lord, how long is this going to continue? And then he says, now, now I know. And he was sure, he wasn't sure, is the Lord listening, is the Lord hearing? And now he's saying, now I know. He, he was he was seeing circumstances around him that were that were in one of the chapters he says too strong for me but he says now I know that that's not true he saw his enemies surround and camp around him and then he realized that that uh, he he's surrounded by the power of God and all of these enemies that are surrounding him and now he can say now I know I, I would say to you that's the crux of this message that that encourages you to pray for others, that gives you the impetus and the power to pray for others, is is your own testimony. Uh, I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry and he answered me from on high. Now, Now I know. Now I know. He saved my marriage. Now I know he can save others. He saved my children. Now I know he can save others. He set me free from sin. I know he can set other people free from sin. He gave me a, a ministry and a calling on my life. And I know, now I know he can do that for others. He, he, he came to me when I was depressed and downcast and wanted to give up and surrender. Now I know what God can do for others and what he's done for others. He'll do for you. I want you to have this phrase burning in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. Now I know. Now I know what God will do. Now I know what God can do. Now I know what God has done. And because I know that, I can now pray for others. And they'll have that same testimony. They'll come back to me and say, I know you've been praying for me. And now I know God hears our cry. And you know what's powerful about that? Then they, in in turn, Go to others in prayer. Go to God for others in prayer. They see the same thing. It's a cycle that's growing in the body of Christ of intercessory prayer, bringing great uh, deliverances and freedom and victories that are causing new people to engage now in the power of prayer on behalf of other people. If you you take a look at this, uh, before we dig into the three points that I want to make today, you will see that in in these simple nine verses that there are uh, 10 powerful requests that he, he says, and, and he uses the word eight different times, may, may, may the Lord, may the name, may he send, may he remember, may he grant, may we shout, may the Lord fulfill, uh, and may he answer us when we cry. That this, this is, the, this is the, the, the word that introduces us into praying for others. Lord, I pray, may you touch them. May you heal them. 
May you deliver them. May you set them free. May you save them. May you draw the prodigal back home. May you rescue my wife from the problems that she's facing. May you rescue my children. Lord, may you rescue my body from the sickness. May you rescue my finances from the, the trouble that, that I'm in. May you rescue my ministry from the pain and the problems of it. This word may is, it may seem, may seem simple. Oh, but it is so profound. We begin to use that word, Lord, may you touch them. May you anoint them. May you bless them. May, may you fill them with your glory. May you fill them with your word, a hunger for your word, as we talked about in Psalm 19. This is the word I want to encourage you to use time and time again. May you take the, my spouse who doesn't know the Lord and bring them back to, to, to you, God. There's this word is, of may is powerful. And, 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 and what he's asking that the Lord may do in your life and my life is this. Let me let me go through the list because there are 10 requests and, and they're all each one of them are different. Each one of them are so powerful and profound. May he answer your troubles, protect you, send you help, remember your offering, regard you with favor, grant your heart's desire, fulfill all your plans, give you a shout for joy, set up your banners, fulfill all of your petitions or all your prayers. Man, if that's not enough to bring you joy, nothing will. If that's not enough to drive you to prayer, nothing will. Look at the benefits and the blessings that you can bring to bear on other people's lives. God has already done these things, these 10 things for David, and now he's crying out, God, what you've done for me, do for others. Do, do these 10 things in people's lives. How many of you wouldn't be filled with thrill and joy and overwhelming praise to say, you've answered, you protected, you sent help, you remembered, you regarded, all these things that the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done for us. His mercies endure forever. They are new every morning. One of these things is popping up in your life every single day because somebody's praying for you. Maybe a grandmother, maybe a mother, maybe a spouse, maybe even a child. My own wife, Kelly, was the first to come to know Jesus in her family. And just as a 12-year-old, she started praying for her father who was who had been in the Navy and sort of a ruffian type type guy, uh, you know, the, the swearing type uh, person when he didn't know Jesus. Uh, and, and she started praying for them and they, they came to know Jesus. Uh, she, she understands this, this cry, answer. May you answer on behalf of others and see what God has done. Where, let me ask you another question. Where, where does this help come from? So he's asking for answers and protection and help and remembering your offering and fulfilling your plans and giving you the ability to shout for joy. Where does that come from? Well, we see five or six things here in Scripture that, that give us evidence of the supply and the support that God has for us. In this text, we read that your help comes from Zion, that Zion is the city of God. Zion is the city that David took over from the Jebusites in battle. It was where we read in a previous chapter, he leapt over a wall, that great wall surrounding uh, Jerusalem, what became the city of David. And they say, now that God has given us this possession, now that God has given us deliverance, now that God has given us victory, now that God has placed us in the land that we belong, he's fulfilled our heart's desires, he, he's fulfilled our possessions, he gives them a shout for joy, he set up our banners around the city, we can put our flags on these walls now, these walls, you can put a flag in your marriage. You can put a flag in your deliverance. You can put a flag in your freedom from addiction. You, you can put that banner up and say, it, it is here. And that comes from Zion, the city of God, where we enter into his presence. Another thing it says is the sanctuary. It's, it's, it, it comes from the sanctuary. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary. And the sanctuary is within Zion. 
It's, it's the, the, the temple, the presence of God. It's where the Ark of the Covenant, which in the Old Testament, in David's time, represented God's Holy Spirit's presence within their midst. So helps comes from this walled city where, where God answers prayer, but then it helps, help comes from his presence as well. It's not just the protection from the city and the walls, but it's also his presence, his love, his mercy, his grace, his wisdom, his truth, his inspiration, his anointing in our life. Is, is th this is found in the Holy of Holies, the, the sanctuary, the, the place where the Ten Commandments that had crumbled were put into the mercy seat, saying to you now that the law has, has, has been covered by mercy. He's given you grace to obey the laws that are broken in our own life. That, my friends, is help from the sanctuary. Uh, he, and then he says, he, he gives help from the holy heaven. Uh, that's found in verse six. He will answer him from his holy heaven. In other words, all the resources of heaven are available to the man or woman who calls from the holy heaven, the, 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 the heights of heaven, the the storehouse of heaven, the treasuries of heaven can be opened up to the person who petitions on behalf of others. God, open up heaven to my children. God, open up heaven to my spouse. God, for pastors, God, open up heaven to my church that they might have the storehouses of your knowledge and your wisdom and your riches and your insight and the revelation and knowledge of Jesus Christ that we might know you and the power of your resurrection. These are some of the storehouses and these are truths that, that give us this, this thing that we're saying that he's answering us, but he's answering us from our holy heaven. Another thing it says here, help comes from his right hand. This is a signification of his power. The, the right hand of the Lord always signifies in scripture that, that he comes with power, that he can't be thwarted, he can't be stopped, nothing can get in his way. So, so when you're petitioning for yourself or for others, we have the confidence that that strength of the Lord cannot be defeated, cannot even be held back. It will fulfill all of its purposes in our life. And then this help says it comes from the name of the Lord. How precious that is, that, that, the, that the attributes and character and the nature of God, that, that that is his name, that we might know him in all these different names. And these names are, whether you know them all or not, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, whether you know them all or not in their Hebrew language is not as significant as knowing the reality of those attributes that God does heal, that God does save, that God does deliver, that God does show mercy, that God is everlasting, that God is eternal, all these attributes of God and knowing him by name. And that name gives us confidence. It's, it's almost like saying um, there's a house in my house is in the kitchen is on fire uh, but I know the fire chief is coming. I know the name of the person's coming. It's not just uh, the rookie. It's it's the most powerful firefighter of all. This is uh, uh, maybe a uh, maybe a, a silly illustration of compared to the great power of God, but it might illustrate it enough to show you that that's the name that 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 they're coming. If if you wanted to solve a a, a crime, well, if you knew a name of the greatest detective in the world. That, that would give you confidence. And so knowing the name of the Lord, David is saying, that is what gives us confidence. We see all these things that God is doing for us, that, that he's, he's doing that. And David is using this word that I've been using here in this, in this chapter uh, as I've been sharing this message is, now I know. Now I, now I know where this help comes from. My help comes 
from the Lord. So let's let's take a look at these three categories. So I was talking about verses, first in verses one through three, help over first. First part is help overcomes our troubles. He gives us help. And it starts off by saying here, uh, may the Lord answer you in the day of your trouble. So the context here is you're going to be facing a day of trouble. That's a reality. It's, it, prayer does not necessarily always give you the ability to escape all your troubles. The people you're praying for, some of what you're praying for is because they're in trouble. And it might not be the trouble of a sickness or a marriage problem or a prodigal child. It could be a, a trouble of they're, they're having trouble concentrating on the word or they're having trouble growing in sanctification, or they're having trouble staying away from uh, uh, things that are worldly and that are distracting, that are, they're, they're, or they're growing lukewarm, they're losing their first love. That, that could be the day of trouble, no matter what it is. It says here, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So the first thing David is asking is, may the Lord answer you when you're facing these troubles in your life. The word an- answer there is not necessarily changing circumstances, the, the word answer there, the Hebrew word there is reply or get back to me, respond to me. It, it, it's, 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 simply be, it's simply the ability to, to say, uh, I know God hears me. I know he sees me. I, I, I know this, God is saying to you, I know this is painful. I know you're facing a trouble in your life, but just the fact that God hears you just the fact that this word answer means he has replied. Imagine sending a very important text or email to somebody and you needed a quick response or reply, but you had to wait a day, two days, three days, four days, and you're finally giving up. They're not going to respond to you. That's the sense here. But in a deeper sense, though, is, is this is a cry to the most high God and it's of the most pressing issues of our life. And the fact that instantaneously God gives you an answer. Sometimes we don't hear it, and sometimes we are waiting on the Lord. And sometimes we are crying, how long, O Lord, how long? But sometimes when our circumstances don't change immediately, we can take pleasure and joy in the fact that He has already replied. Sometimes in prayer, sometimes through the Holy Spirit, sometimes through another person He sends to you to encourage you. Most oftentimes through the Word itself. David knew that God answers when he took Psalm 19 before he went to Psalm 20 because he saw the promises that are in the word of God. When you see the promises, you're praying with the power of the promises. You're not praying just in hope or in aspiration or in, in, uh, in fear of things not happening. No, you're praying in bold confidence. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And that effectual fervency comes not through your own inner uh, abilities, uh, your own spiritual gumption. It comes uh, through knowing the word of God. Uh, and so you can know that he answers. How do we know that this word reply, this joy of knowing simply that I've been heard, that I've been seen, that, that, that God knows uh, my troubles and that he is with me in them. How do we know that this is helpful? Well, if you go to the New Testament, the apostle Paul says this and such a beautiful story. He, he said, I had a thorn in my flesh, a, a trouble. And, and I cried out to God three different times to take it away. You know what? It's interesting. God answered him. But the answer was, no, I'm not going to take this away from you. But the answer was beautifully sufficient because the answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. So sometimes the answer is not, God has changed all my circumstances. Sadly to say, some people that are praying for their marriage end up 
in divorce. Sometimes we're praying for healing, that person stays sick or even dies. Sometimes we're praying for our prodigal children and they get worse and into the world and we're, and we're wondering what's happening. But sometimes there's that answer that, and that answer could simply be, my grace is sufficient for you. Even though the thorn is still stuck in the flesh, you're gonna have a grace to go through that storm, to go through that hardship, to go through that, that dark night of the soul with a confidence, with a joy, knowing that God is on your side, he's for you, and he's going to work on your behalf. What he's talking about here is troubles, calamity, affliction, distress, anguish. Those are different words to describe that Hebrew word that we get in English, troubles there. And the root of that word, calamity, affliction, distress, anguish, the root of that word is to be narrow, to be meager, to be in need and in anxiety. In other words, and it occurs to me, the other part of that word, root word is, is to wrap up or to envelop or to tie up or to lock up. And so the word calamity or troubles here means you're in a narrow strait. You're in, you're in a meager place without sufficiency, it seems, to meet the need. You're, and that need is causing anxiety in you. And you're wrapped up in this and you're enveloped in this. And it's tied you up and it's locked you up. Uh, and and, and the, the thing that David is crying out here is, is give them help, Lord. May they answer you in the, in the day of trouble. And there's great joy just knowing that when our enemy seems to envelop us and our problems seem to overwhelm us and we're anxious day and night that God hears our cry and he's with us and he's going to give us grace to more than sufficient to meet that need. And not only that, most often, I, here's, here's where I can say with David, now I know that the Lord doesn't just give us grace to endure, but oftentimes he does change those circumstances and he does bring that prodigal back and he does save that marriage and God is faithful sovereignly to do what is perfect and good and holy and pure and just. And we can trust in that. We can say, now I know, no matter what storms rage, no matter what victories I win, I know that the Lord is good and faithful and holy and he's doing the best thing possible for my life. That ought to bring a shout of joy into our life. And then it goes on the same in verse one, may, he, may the name of God, the God of Jacob, protect you. So he's answering you by being there, but then he's also saying, now I'm going to protect you. Even, even Paul with the thorn in his flesh, I'm going to give you grace to give you sufficient. I'm going to protect you. That thorn is not going to defeat you. That thorn is not going to run you away from me. I'm going to shield about you in that. And may the God of Jacob, and he uses this phrase, the God of Jacob here, alluding back to Jacob who was coming into the presence of his brother Esau, who was more powerful than him and had a larger contingency of soldiers, and he could easily be defeated and put to death because of what he had done in taking the birthright of his brother Esau, even though Esau surrendered it to him. Uh, Esau would have seen it as, as, as conniving and, and thievery. And so Jacob is thinking, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be defeated. This is not just going to be a thorn in my flesh. This is going to be the end of my flesh. But, but it says there, not only God will answer you, but, but, but this, this God of Jacob, who when he came into the presence of Esau, Esau blessed him. It was the opposite of what he thought. He thought this trouble was going to curse and destroy him and it ended up blessing him. How strange it is that some of our troubles end up blessing us. Some of the pain we've been through end up strengthening us. Some of the trials we've been through end up giving us a, spiritual, a greater spiritual dependency on God. May he protect you. Verse two, may he send you help. So we see answer, protect, and now help. 
from the sanctuary. We talked about the sanctuary. Where this, and, and what 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 comes from the sanctuary is is help, and then what comes from Zion is support. Uh, so so we see these are these are two different things. Uh, uh, help is is an assistance. Uh, support is bringing new things into it. Help takes what you have and 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 builds it up. But support brings new things into our life, things that we don't have, resources that are not available to us in our own strength. And so we get that help and we get that support. We see that may he send you. And that word sending in Hebrew means to let loose or to open up the windows of heaven. May, may he open up the windows of heaven and let loose all the help that comes from God's sanctuary or his holy hill or his right hand. And may he give you support. And this word support is, is, is the transaction, uh, that the transaction has occurred. It's more past tense than the word sending. Sending is, is the check is in the mail. Uh, and this, this word giving, may he give you support. This word giving is, is the actual transaction being completed. It's in your hands. It's a done deal. You receive the check. It's, it's now you have the sufficiency. You have the supply. It's all in your hands. And this is what he's giving us from his storehouse in heaven. He, he, he does this by sending, by giving. And all he asks you to do, here, here's how to open up that storehouse. Here's how to go into that treasure of support and supply from heaven to have faith and confidence, to be able to say like David, now I know, and to be able to pray and power for others. Here's how to take this supply, this sending, this giving, this support. Number one, it's to believe that it is yours. He's giving this to you. Number two, it's to believe that it is being sent to you. It's on its way. Number three, that he has given it to you. It's in your hand. From a, Number four, it's from a holy place. The ark of his presence is from a good place. It can be trusted. And number five, it's never closed. The storehouses and the treasuries of God are never, ever, ever closed. That's something to rejoice and give thanks for. The second thing we see in here in the, the next verse is, is found in verse three. Just part, part two of this message just has one verse. It's verse three. May he remember all your offerings with regard and with favor and with favor your burnt sacrifices. So number two is he rewards your sacrifice. He rewards your offering. He rewards the the fact that you've been faithful. He And this may sound like, oh, no, Pastor Gary, you're you're talking about merited grace here, that, that you, you did this and now you merit favor. No, we don't merit any favor. God doesn't have to give us grace or mercy or supply or support, but he decides to. He chooses to. In his sovereign wisdom, he comes and says, to those who seek me, I'll be found. He gives these great precious promises, but there are, uh, I, I guess I might call them conditions, to, to, that, that, that if you pray, he'll answer you. But what happens if you don't pray? If you seek, he'll be found. But what if you don't seek? So, so there's these conditions. There's no condition on your salvation. It's a free grace from God. But there are conditions on some of these precious promises. And so many of us are in such lack and such want and such need. So many of us are not able to say, now I know, because we're not actually applying the power of the promises. We're not actually trusting in them and implementing them in our lives. And that's what David is calling out, that the people would do this. He's praying, may, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifice. The, 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 I love that as fact that all your offerings, all your offerings, it's the Hebrews passage of, he, he, he honors the sacrifice of praise. It's, that's, 
but he also honors your giving. He, there, there are all kinds of ways that God gives. Let me just take you to a couple verses. Ephesians, turn, to, turn with me to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, and in the sixth chapter, and in the uh, Ephesians chapter six and verse eight, knowing that whatever good anyone does, uh, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a, a slave or free. Whatever he does is good. You're going to receive it back. Another passage says it's going to be pressed down, shaken over, running over a cup. He's going to take the sacrifices of praise, the sacrifices of offerings, the sacrifices of surrender to the Lord, the sacrifices of praying for others, the sacrifices of diligent study in the word. He's going to take these these sacrifices, this, this giving of ourselves to these things, being, being given over to these things, and he's going to take those and he's going to fill that cup and it's going to be running over with mercy. The, uh, in, in Jesus says this, he confirms this, and, and his teaching is found in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we see in, in verse uh, 38, Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Uh, uh, will be put into your lap. This is what David's saying. This is what David's saying. Lord, Lord, remember all those times they prayed. Remember all those times they sang in the midst of trouble. Re remember all those times where they, they, they sacrificed time, money, energy. Lord, thank you that you don't have to honor that. We are, we are not worthy of your honor of that, but your kindness and your mercy you've shown and you say, when you give, it'll be given unto you and, and it'll be increased and it'll be pressed down and shaken over. And, and you see these great things take place in our life. Not only that, number three, in verses four through eight, verses four starts this incredible, almost, uh, almost too good to be phantomed, to be understood, to, to be realized. Is, is this real? You know, because in the church today, there are so many that are practicing the wrong type of heart's desire because it's materialistic and it's, and it's, and it's using God to, to, to get material good and to get uh, things you want, selfish ambitions and desires. And because of that, many of us, on the other hand, we, we swing the pendulum so far that we don't see God wanting to give us our desires. We say, oh, I have no desires. I, I have no petitions. I, just whatever the Lord would do. But God wants you to have desire. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he will give you the desires of your heart. And I love the first part of that. He will give you the desires. And in some senses, if you wanted to, 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 to get uh, uh, specific, you could almost say he gives you the desires, comma. He gives you the desires. And then these desires become the desires of your heart. He, but look what he's saying here in verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. The, we're looking a little bit at some of the Hebrew words here. And first we see that this word is desire is singular, not plural. It's not I desire a wife and a car and kids and a house and money and fame and success. It's a singular desire. David later on says, one thing I desire. Is it money, fame, riches, material success, victory over his enemies? One thing I desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the one thing, passion, that God wants us to have. And he's saying here, he'll fulfill that heart's desire of yours. David David say, saying, I, I know you've delivered me, and now I know your word, and I know your prayer, and my heart's desire is to know you, so that these promises could come into effect in a singular fashion. I have a one thing passion, a one thing heart, a one thing desire, a one thing ambition, 
And, and, and out of that, yes, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. So David is not saying, uh, don't dare ask for anything else. Don't pray for your family. Don't pray for your health. Don't pray for your fruitfulness and success. No, he's saying that out of that one thing will come all these others. He has a great understanding even of what's to come later, New Testament principles. May he grant, this word grant in Hebrew is issued. Uh, in other words, it's, it's like writing a check. I, 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 I'm going to grant you that. World Challenge here, our ministry that I work with, uh, gives grants to different missions organizations. We connect with them and they tell us the need and we say, okay, you write a proposal and we will, uh, uh, we will discern and pray about giving you a grant to meet that need. And so once the grant is issued, then it becomes a reality that people know that it's going to be received. It's like a promissory note. Uh, but not only that, the word fulfills in the Hebrew means accomplished. So grant accomplished, uh, promise finished, completed, the work is done, he's fulfilled all your plans. So he grants you your heart's desire. Uh, and and uh, actually in the Hebrew, the word desire isn't in there. It's, it's just he grants you your hearts. He grants you what's in your heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the heart, the mouth prays. Are, are you praying for only material goods or only personal success or dreams and ambitions of your own aspirations to, of ascendancy? Or, or is what's, the, what's that singular thing in your heart is Jesus and Jesus alone. Know him, that I might know Christ and him crucified. That's the one thing. But out of that then comes this, this, this granting of, 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 of the things that are in our heart and a fulfillment, listen to this, a fulfillment of all your plans, an accomplishment. It's, it's not just he's giving you plans or at, at the end result your plans are accomplished, what he's saying there is he's fulfilling, he's uh, putting, this word filling, he's filling up your plans. In other words, you have plans, but most, most times they're too small. They're selfish plans, they're selfish, ambitious plans. God's saying, that's too small. It's too small a thing for you. Isaiah 49 says that uh, the, uh, Isaiah was praying for, for, for Jacob, the tribe of Jacob, and he says, that's too small a thing. I'm going to give you the nations and so God, if you'll allow him to give you the desires, you'll see those desires not diminish, like a mean God saying, you're asking too much, you're thinking too big. No, it's the opposite. He's going to refine in the fire your dreams and your aspirations and your, your hopes and your, your, the things you're crying out for and the things you're praying for. He's going to, to increase them. He's going to lift them up, fill them up with new things, new thoughts, new, and, and it's plans, your plans. You have plans, he's gonna fulfill your plans in two ways, one in the accomplishment at the end, but even in the making of the plans, the, the, the carrying out of the plans, or even giving you new plans. In other words, there's a destiny you're believing that God has for you, and now he's filling up the plans to help you accomplish those things that God has for you. As a result of that, we look at verse 5, may we shout for joy over your salvation. Of course, salvation we know in the New Testament terms is is the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of our unrighteousness, the imputation of Christ's righteousness into us through the cross of Jesus Christ. But here the salvation could mean that, obviously looking forward to that, but it also could mean I'm just saved from my enemies. I'm saved from failed plans. I'm saved from heart's desires never coming true. Uh, and this is causing me to shout for joy when I see the glorious work of God in my life. And what happens then? And in the name of our God, we set up our banners Banners may be something you've seen in a movie before where uh, the flag is being flown over a castle 
and the enemy storms the castle and they breach the wall and they tear down the enemy's banners and their flags and they put up their own flag. We know that in our own history of America, some of the forts where, where the British had fortification and the, 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 the revolutionary soldiers of America came in and took over that fort and they raised up that flag, that the, the, that the flag was still there. We sing that song in our national anthem, it's the banner is still there. And that banner is a, is a banner of, of protection. It's the banner of, of uh, believing that God is, is, is present. It's, 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 the, it's this, this, the understanding that he has done great things. He's given you victories and now he's planted his flag in that. He, he's, he's caused this thing to be a reality in our life. Psalm 60 verse 4 says, You have set up a banner for those who fear you that they may flee to it. In other words, this, this is more of a picture of not of a fort or a castle, but of, a, of an open field battle. And there's two shields and there's two flags flying. There's banners where the king and his tents are arrayed. And, and, and you're in trouble and you're in the middle of battle. And all of a sudden you see uh, there's the banner of the Lord. He's coming in power and you can flee to it and find protection and resource and then victory over your enemies. Um, he'll fulfill all your petitions. Now, now you're seeing these petitions being sealed and delivered to you and a, a, a flag being planted, a banner in those things. David's saying again, now I know that God gives me a banner. He gives me a, a, a place, a sanctuary. Uh, for him personally, his banners flew over this new city of Jerusalem that became the everlasting city of God. Even through eternity, we're going to be seeing a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. This is this is such a powerful planting of God's flag. It has become eternal. Now we know, we know, we know, we know that. And then the last thing we want to look at or in, in looking at how he fulfills our desires is, is by, by looking at verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. This is speaking now of how these three things we're talking about. How does he fulfill our desires? How, how, how does he hear our, our answer our prayer? How does he reward our sacrifice? Well, it's by uh, ensuring and gracing us with the power to trust in the name of the Lord so that we don't start trusting in horses and chariots. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. This is an Old Testament um, picture, a Hebrew picture of trusting in the power of man. Oftentimes the king would say, we're about to be defeated by the Babylonians, so let me rely on the power of the Egyptians, or vice versa, calling upon one human resources to help defeat another. It's like trying to overcome an addiction through sheer willpower or, or through a counselor. That, and those are good things. Willpower and counseling are good things. But to try to do that without the Lord in the middle of it is insufficient. It's not really a, the true victory that you want horses and chariots or, or, or powers of man or wisdom or insight or, or the thoughts, the, 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 the carnal thoughts of man just never, ever have the power to deliver the way that the blood of Jesus can set you free from all of these things. So trust when, when you're in pain and sorrow and trust, yeah, you can go to a doctor and you can, you can go to the banker and get a loan, but, but really your ultimate trust relies underneath that, that the, the storehouses in heaven are where your support and your supply comes from. And we trust in the name of the Lord. They will collapse and fall, but we will rise. This is verse eight. They will collapse. Collapse, I see as, as taking two different words. 
uh, lapse is the second part of this word, a lapse, it'll fall. It will, uh, so the pain that's coming your way, the demonic influences, it's gonna lapse, it's gonna, it's gonna fall. And then uh, it's probably not actually in the meaning of the word, but I like to put in front of that, that coal, C-O-L, coal lapse is a colossal lapse. It's just my fun way of looking at this verse and this text and, and this word. It's gonna be a colossal lapse. It's, it's going to be a lapse in judgment, a lapse in wisdom, a lapse in power, a lapse in ability, a, a lapse in continued pressure on you. It's going to collapse into a lapsing thing that, that will never rise again. It's going to fall. The word fall there is, is, is complete. It's, it's fallen. It's gone. It's not, it's not going to rise up again. But we will rise and we will stand upright. It's the complete opposite of a collapse. Do you feel like your life is going to collapse? Do you feel like your finances are going to collapse, your health, all these different things? But God's saying, trust don't trust in chariots. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And you'll see God will raise you up and you'll stand upright. The last verse here I think is very interesting and we'll close with this. And it says, O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Speaking, there's, there's a reversal here now. The people that King David had been praying for, in the last verse, he understands and he hears their cry. Oh, thank you, Lord, that King David is praying for me. All these, these, these may the Lord, may the name, may he send, may he remember. All these things he's been diligently petitioning the Lord for on my behalf. Now I want to return the favor. And so the last verse is the, the whole nation, so to speak, is saying, Lord, bless the king. Lord, save the king. Thank you, Lord, for someone who's praying for us. How many of you know that in your own life? that when you see an answer to prayer, and you know somebody prayed for you, that again, we talked about earlier, your grandmother, your mother, your father, somebody praying for your, your, your husband, your wife, even your children praying for you. And when the answer comes and when the breakthrough comes, you're able to say, oh God, thank you for them. And now you may you bless them. You see, the, the prayers that you pray, the prayers that change people's lives actually fall back on you. It's maybe one of the ways uh, uh, of saying, may God remember your offerings. May, may he remember your sacrifice, the sacrifice of prayer and of praise, the sacrifice when you're on your knees day and night calling out on God behalf of somebody in pain and problems and they receive that answer from God and now in return, they begin to pray for you. It's a cycle, it's, a, it's cyclical. It, it sees uh, an ever-growing increase of people praying for one another. It's contagious because everybody's starting to say now, now I know he prayed for me and now I know what he's done for me, he can do for the king. And we don't have time to go into today, but we're going to do that in our next chapter that we look at, Psalm 21. But just to give you a glimpse of what we'll be talking about in our next episode is, is now the king is saying all these things David is saying, you've given me my heart's desire. You've given me such rich blessings. You put a crown on my head. I asked you for life and you gave it to me. You gave me length of days. What he's saying is, wow, I was praying for other people. And the very thing that I was praying for them fell back upon my head. When I prayed for favor, I received favor. When I prayed for breakthrough, I received breakthrough. When I prayed for mercy, I received mercy. The, the, the prayer is beneficial to the person you're praying for, oh, but it has great benefits in your life too. We don't pray selfishly for that reason, but it is a great reward we receive from that. God is about to shift things in your life. He's showing you that through the study of his word, he gives you powerful promises that you can pray into other people's lives and see these miracles. And then in Psalm 21, it returns back upon you. Job said it so well in Job 42.10. It says about Job, in other words, 
Um, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much. He was praying for his friends, but he got as twice as much as what he was praying for. <laughs> That's glorious. That's just the mercy of God. That's just the kindness of God. That's just the generosity of God. That's the, the giving nature of God. You have heard it said you can't outgive God. And the same thing stands true for prayer. You pray for others and you, you'll find a blessing in your own life. The power of praying for others is, it ends up in a power receiving prayer from others and the victory in your own life as well. What a twofold purpose. You're seeing victory in other people's lives and it falls back upon your head, the, the countless blessings of the Lord. And so I want to pray for you in closing that the Lord would show you uh, that you'd be able to say to, to count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings and see all the things that God has done. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the multiple, multitude of blessings that you've poured out upon your children. And we receive them now by grace and mercy, not by merit, but God, you, you have just so kindly said, seek me and I'll be found of you. Study my word and you'll see, receive revelation. Pray and your prayers will be answered. Other people will be healed and delivered. And you'll also find that blessing come back upon ourselves. We thank you for that. That's a goodness from God. And we thank you for that. And we receive it with thanksgiving. We, we receive it, like Hebrews says, with a, a sacrifice of praise. We praise you, God. We thank you, God. We magnify you, God. We glorify you, God. We honor you, God. We exalt you, God. There's no one like you. Great in majesty, great in power, great in splendor. Too marvelous for words, too, too wonderful to comprehend. And yet when we call on your name, you answer us. And Lord, our, our families' lives are changed. And I pray right now for families, for marriages, for prodigal children, for sicknesses, for people in hospitals. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, because there is the effectual fervent prayer and it does avail much. And we thank you by the righteousness of Christ, by your stripes, by your blood, we can pray and proclaim healing, healing from all sorts of things, emotional distress, healing right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I'm just reminded in closing here that, that Paul said, I make mention of you by name and prayer. And sometimes these intercessions don't have to be an hour long. Uh, sometimes it's just mentioning. Sometimes I just mention my wife's name is Kelly. I just say, Lord, bless Kelly. And I, I mention my son, Ashley, to you. And I mention my son, Evan, to you. And I mention my son, Elliot, to you. And I mention my daughter, Annie, to you. I just mention them by name. I mention my coworkers and those who work in the ministry. I mention them by name. I mention those who are lost by name. I mention prodigal children by name. Lord, I thank you that, that there's power in just that one thing that Paul said. I make mention of you by name in prayer. And Lord, we thank you that this is, doesn't have to be um, eight-hour intercessory sessions. It can be just simply coming to your presence and say, God, here's a person in need. Answer them. We give thanks for this in Jesus' name. The answer's on the way. It's been given and it's going to be responded to. It's going to be received. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to the next session.